Thanks everyone for joining me today on Guide to HR. I'm super excited to have Dr. Bobby Wagner. She's an experienced psychologist, speaker, author, board member, advisor, focused on combining group psychology with workforce technology to help teens feel better, work better, and stay longer. Wow, that's super awesome. She's also the founder and CEO of Groups, a scalable industrial organizational psychology platform connecting experts in a group psychology to virtual teams on an ongoing affordable basis. Well, welcome, very uh, welcome, Dr. Wagner. It's so great to meet you and, and have you on the call. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I look forward to chatting. So tell me, I mean, that's like, wow, that was a mouthful. You've got a lot going on, great experience, and you're doing dealing with humans and human nature. Tell me a little bit about your background and what got you started with this company called Groups. Sure. All right. Well, thanks for asking. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I have a doctor in clinical psychology with a specialization in health psychology. And through my work in a private practice and my kind of private consultancy, I was really working with individuals and organizations, helping people both sort of like live their best life, but also kind of work, you know, how to work best in different organizations. Um, I also teach at Harvard in the Industrial Organizational Psychology Program. So I teach motivation and groups and culture, really helping people um, use psychology to build strong relationships at work. And in through both my work and my practice in consultancy and in my classes at Harvard, I just saw this huge need that people were really struggling with disconnection, you know, and you would have to have your head in a hole to not see the world kind of struggling with this, you know, you log on to LinkedIn and you see great resignation, quiet quitting, um, you know, act your wage, that kind of thing. And that's really a symptom of people feeling disconnected from each other and, and from their work. And this not only feels terrible for people, it costs organizations a lot of money. So with through that, we said, why don't, you know, people are sitting in my class learning how to use um, psychology to help build better relationships. But the reality is that a lot of the leaders who were in my class don't have the time nor necessarily even the skill set to be doing this ongoing work of leading groups and you know doing this sort of team building on an ongoing basis. So we said, why don't she, why don't we help them bring experts in group psychology to the office to teach core content and curriculum in high performance, high cohesion teams, and then lead guided conversations around how to apply it and how to how to best work together and what's not working and just have teams meet regularly to discuss what it feels like, what we want, what we hope for, you know, what isn't working, what do we need to talk about, that kind of thing. That's so fascinating. So knowing that my normal audience here that I, I try to reach out to is is a startup founder, co-founder, CEO, what would be some of the key things that they should be looking out for in regards to maybe needing a service like yours? Yeah. So the thing that we're really good for are, are um, distributed hybrid or virtual teams. You know, so that's really our primary offering. We can work with live teams, but a number of our teams have people in all different parts of not only the country, but the world. Um, so for example, um, one of our teams, it's a large American-based company, but with with offices literally over the entire globe. So global, highly distributed, cross-cultural in nature. And so we go in and we are teaching core content, providing spaces for them to get to know each other a little bit better, 
and also just talk about what works, what doesn't work, and um, kind of deepen understanding amongst each other so they can work their best together. But we also work with smaller organizations too. Um, so we we work well, I guess our targets are large global distributed types of organizations, but also smaller um, or even medium-sized like tech progressive young companies, knowing that there's younger generations in the workforce now that really prioritize well-being, health, connection, purpose, freedom, flexibility, all of those things. And so helping teams navigate um, almost like a different value set that's coming into the workforce right now and sitting on teams where there's some older folks, you know, some of the boomers and then having some of um, sort of the current generation all working together, there's just different value sets and expectations. So opening up conversation to talk about, you know, what needs to happen for us to accomplish our shared goals here. Everything's through the lens of shared goal. Like what are we working on helping teams articulate what that is and then kind of staying true to that and then measuring all behaviors within the team or the group up against that shared goal. So I was just kind of thinking through some of the clients I've worked with, some of the CEOs that I talked to, and is there one or maybe a couple different things that you can think of that would could help them with while they're building out their company, right? Maybe they only have 10, 15 people or maybe 50 people. What are some things, some skills or tools that you would love every CEO on the whole planet to know to just be one step closer to that perfect harmony. Yeah. Yeah. So if that perfect harmony is really like a deeply connected, highly cohesive team, it's not just about feeling good. It's about like working better and more efficiently because when there are high levels of trust and cohesion, communication happens faster. You're not hedging what you're going to say. You just roll faster, which allows you to like accomplish more. Highly cohesive teams are more profitable, have less turnover, all the good things that, you know, leaders hope for. Um, so things... I would say pay attention to culture from the ground up. So we even target um, like VCs and, and private equity firms, knowing that they're invested in having their companies have highly cohesive teams. Um, so, you know, it's really important to build culture from the ground up. And what that means is appreciating that humans are social by nature. We need each other. And the virtual world in many ways has stripped um, us of that like human connection that we need. And we've sort of found ourselves in this space, just logging onto meetings, oftentimes with the screens off. And we really need that like face-to-face, -face, even if it's virtual time, we need to talk about things other than work. So at groups, we start every meeting with highlight, low light, or a feeling you feel now. And you just, everyone goes around and takes 10 to 30 seconds to share a highlight, a low light, or a feeling you feel now. And it, it's really simple, but it, it sets the meeting um, it prioritizes the people and like who they are as a human, not just the work um, that makes a big difference. So a lot of our leaders or people in groups have said, like, I've integrated that in my other, in my other teams. And it's such a simple thing to do that like goes a long way. I like that. I, I've seen a similar type of methodology where you come into the team and, and you know, a thumbs up, you're doing great, you know, flat you're just kind of, it's neutral, thumbs down, you're not doing great. And then maybe taking that opportunity to have a sidebar conversation with people who give you a thumbs down, but it's not really like a vocal, right? You obviously have to have the video camera up, or I guess you could use the little reaction tools depending on what uh, 
virtual webinar you're using, WebInx or Zoom or Google Meets or Teams. Um, so yeah, I, I've actually tried that a couple of times with some of my teams in the past. And it's, it's an interesting, I call it an experiment because you have to really create a trusting environment where people can feel like they can put that thumbs down and it's not going to be a negative thing for them in that day for their role as a company, but um, just creating this space where like we're all human beings. And, you know, before we started recording this session, I told you, I, I have had a horrible morning. Like it is not like, I wish I could rewind it and redo it, go back to bed, just like not have this day, working for the sun to set on it. Uh, and, you know, like just being able to have that space where people can share that with you and um, it not have a negative impact for for everyone down the road, right? I, I think a lot of people have the fear of like, well, if I say or do something wrong, it's going to impact how they perceive me, which is going to impact how they see me in, in my role and grow into it. Uh, so creating that safe space is just as important. Yeah, no, it's a big thing. So when we show up to teams, sometimes like the teams that need the most work, they're not like yelling at each other, right? It's like really quiet teams, which means it's not safe to speak. So then where we really have to start is like, you know, how do we create safety? What would need to happen to actually share a little bit more and then dig into why people don't feel like they can speak up? Um, because that's really problematic, not just from like a feelings perspective, but also, uh, like a business perspective. So if you think about innovation and creativity, that comes from divergent ideas, right? The best ideas are generally not within the box. Nobody's going to share an idea that's super wild if it's not safe to speak up and throw crazy ideas out there. So, you know, Daniel Coyle, who wrote the culture code, talks a lot about um, vulnerability and the importance and speaking up and self-disclosure, but it doesn't happen unless there's a, like a safe ground to do that. But then, you know, the leaders really have to work on building safety to create, to allow that to even happen, which is super important. Have you ever had to deal with uh, a, a, a opportunity? <laughs> I'll call it an opportunity where you come in and it may have been the intent, a positive intent from the CEO, founders, or executives, upper management, that they wanted to create that, but somehow misstepped or misstepped enough where now it doesn't seem like it's ever possible. Any any tips or tricks on how to help repair that and get back to a place where that safety is there? Yeah, I love, I love the word you used, repair. So if you think about everything we do as humans, right, we're hardwired for connection, socially driven, um, like people that, so it's relational, right? So in relationships, there's rupture and repair in all relationships, whether it's in your marriage, with your kid, with your friend, it goes through cycles, you know, but oftentimes when like there's a rupture, we feel like the world's falling apart. But it's, if we can expect it as like a natural part of like being in relationship, whether at work or at home, it takes a sting out of it and the awkwardness of it. So if we see these things happen at work that are ruptures, the worst thing we can do and the thing that happens most often is we just pretend it never happened. We're like, okay, but there's no repair then, right? If you don't actually acknowledge it, there's no repair. And through the repair, you can actually deepen the relationship and deepen the connection so part of it is like planning for ruptures before they happen. 
What's like, we know ruptures are going to happen. Let's talk about it. What do we want to do? Do we want to take like planning ahead? And then when it happens, it allows the team to repair in a more effective way and, um, and actually deepen cohesion on the team. Setting expectation on how to behave in that moment of time. So it's not a scramble, mad dash, totally like, uh, you know, I've done it myself, right? I I've done it where like, now I'm like, what do I do? How do I repair this? Like, I'm thinking, okay, apology, is that enough? Is that going to cause more problems? Um, so I, I appreciate that context because I've never really thought about that. You know, we prepare for meetings, we prepare for projects. We have our project deadlines and our Gantt charts, right? And, and a lot of things we do, you are probably got a budget that you're preparing for at work and in your personal life. So why not have it be something that you prepare for in your relationship? Yeah, I love think that. about it as like, you know, everything, and this is very group psychology E. you know, you set your shared goal, but this is becomes a social contract. Like how do we want to behave and why are we sitting in this room together? So the first thing we do with groups when we show up to teams is like articulate the shared goal. And not just the like KPI or the OKR of like what we're accomplishing, but really like the cultural KPI, like what do we want this to feel like? How do we like to communicate? How do we deal with conflict? All this stuff that's the relational human side of getting the work done because that makes or breaks a team and that makes or breaks whether or not you can accomplish those KPIs, those other KPIs and OKRs, right? So it's like, okay, let's come up with a social contract at the front end, set the, you know, and it's not the mission and purpose of the company because within companies, their teams and each team has their own value sets and their own ways of operating and all that. So it's like articulating the shared goal. It's like, why are we sitting in this room together week after week? And then that becomes a thing that we're working, that becomes a social contract that shapes everything. So what has been one of the toughest uh, examples of, of, group cohesiveness that you've had to work through? Yeah. I mean, there's different things that come up, right? So my belief is always like all teams have an ability, like people want to be where we're purpose maximizers as humans. We want to have purpose and connection. So like with enough time and structure, like teams and people can get there. But some of the hardest ones, it's like the worst when you show up and like nobody's talking and you really have to build that safety, you know, um, and it takes time because you have to, people don't feel safe enough. So it's just baby steps, right? And trusting that this is okay to talk about. Another one is when there's like a disengaged leader. So sometimes people will call us. We do best with organizations that really care about their people and like want to invest in this way and, you know, are living this and in, in their values and their culture outside of groups. But sometimes people call us when something's like really not great which is okay, just more work. And oftentimes there's disengaged leadership that is over indexing on the, like the just revenue or things and under indexing on the people, but then just want us to fix it, but aren't really bought in as a leadership or an organization, which that's just never gonna work. We can help the team feel a little bit better, but they have a much larger structural organizational issue that needs to be addressed, which we can help with, but it's just a like, like a slog, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so many co-founders in the startup world, especially right now with the economy are feeling very tight. I mean, you talked about revenue and, and so many of them that I speak with, that is the top of their mind because 
money is not cheap anymore to get. So trying to get funding is not not great time to get funding, right? Uh, they may be running out of money. They're still not profitable, but they they see the ultimate long-term outcome of this this company being successful. The stress of that obviously can come out in people. What would you say would be a great skill or not maybe skill, but a tool or some kind of like mind comment or something to put right down to just kind of, when you need a moment to just check yourself in regards to, yes, it's about revenue. Yes, we need to probably get that higher in order to survive this economy, but can't do that without the people. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the what we ask to teams, and so we, we prompt teams with different questions and have people answer privately, and then it's up to them if they wanna answer publicly. People generally end up talking, but one thing we ask teams in our culture building series is like zero through 10 in your mind, ask yourself, do you think our team is more task oriented, which is zero, or more people oriented? Where do we fall? What number? And then why? You know, so it's like just, just question, you know, grounding yourself, you know, and think about in, in teams, especially virtual, virtual people log in, like, okay, let's just jump right on in. Jumping right on in is jumping right on into the task that's ignoring the person sitting in the room, right? So it takes double effort and it's a new way of thinking to prioritize the people. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like you just have to actually create real moments of connection. Sitting on a virtual team meeting and just like either like drinking or something like that isn't actually fostering real connection. You have to get people like sharing about stuff, you know, and so like leaders have to be better at beefing up their own skill set and engaging people or finding someone else to help, right? So that's where we come in. It's like we go to basically a team meeting every couple of weeks or once a month to to focus on the culture of the team. Um, Forbes just had an article like last month and I thought it was awesome. It's like teams, the new um, unit of value in the hybrid world or virtual world and really focusing on the team, doubling down on the relationships and figuring out how to really incorporate the people side of that spectrum because the reality is most of us are fo overly focusing on the task. Yeah, I uh, I think of a time where I've seen a, a CEO in their meeting, team meeting, start off with a checking question. And sometimes it's business and sometimes personal. And I find that the, that really sets the tone of the rest of the meeting. And I find that I wish that you could, they, he would check, he would do more personal, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know what's going on in the business. If we're, if we don't, then we're not doing our job as executives. So like, let's actually just kind of keep it a little lighthearted uh, and, and do more personal. I think what, I can't remember what, when it was like something like your favorite pet's name or your first pet's name or something like that. And it was, you know, we joked with each other about some of the pet names that we had. Uh, and so it really builds that camaraderie of, of people like, cause now I know a little bit more about you. I mean, that's one of the things I actually thought was a pot. One of the positive things about the whole having to go virtual was that now you're see you're actually seeing behind those closed doors of someone's personnel life, right? Like some, I mean, the virtual backgrounds have, have occurred obviously, but a lot of people don't have that and, or don't mind sharing their background or all of a sudden a puppy or a cat or a baby shows up. Right. And it's like, now you actually kind of see the person as a whole being and not just that percentage of a work being. Uh, and I really, I actually appreciated that so much because I felt like I got more connected with 
my coworkers and my peers because it's, it, it kind of, it made it an equal playing field, right? It's so we're all human. Um, and no matter what your background is, it's, it's going to show up in the video at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's like, we, we want to know each other, right? We want to see each other. We want to be seen we want to be understood. And these things are sitting in the room, whether we're talking about it or, or not. So it's like, actually, you know, we always think about like wellness is integration or authenticity, which is when what you think, feel, say, and do are in alignment. You know, we often have to like hide parts of ourselves. We're thinking something different than we're doing, or we're saying something different than we're thinking. But the where real cohesion is built is when people on teams feel like they can actually say what they're thinking and feeling. And a lot of it is like sitting in the room and we're just ignoring it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Right. And I feel like yeah. you're speaking to that. It's like there's stuff around us. Let's talk about it because that helps us feel more connected to each other and then helps us actually work better together because then there's an integration not only within ourselves, but ourselves and the people and the environment around us. Like you trust more when what you see is matching with what you feel. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Well, any last words of wisdom that you want to throw out to these CEOs and, and founders of startup companies? No, you know, I'm, I'm in it with them. So like groups is a startup, right? And so we, we actually do our own groups. We call it super group. So we meet as a team and we run through all of this, which is um, running through the program. But I would just really think about, you know, ground yourself in the question, are you more task oriented? Are you more people oriented? How can you truly create opportunity for people to talk about things outside of work? So one quick integration, as I mentioned, was like starting every minute, every meeting with a highlight, low light, a feeling you feel now, prompt everyone that they have 10 to 30 seconds. It can be one word, but it's just a way and it grounds the meeting so we know where we're feeling. People can put it in the chat, they can share. And then also like, you know, make sure that you have at least part of your meetings with cameras on, you know, like connection and cohesion are, are the thing that helps teams function their best. So what are you doing to promote that? You know, what are you doing to foster connection and cohesion on your teams? And that's real, like authentic sharing and showing up and talking. So just finding ways to do that the best you can. Um, and yeah, and if everyone's interested in groups, like we are, we're, we're, we are meant to be really affordable to all companies. Um, knowing that this is really important for everybody. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, this is so needed. I, I think that as we continue to go down this path of hybrid work and, you know, bringing on the different younger generation, helping us understand how to intertwine and interact with each other, it's just a pivotal thing that every corporation, small, large, startup, nonprofit, that we just, these are the skill sets that we need to be learning. I almost wish that they would be teaching this in, you know, high school, right? Like when we're younger, it's like someone was saying, why do I need to know out like that, um, uh, geometry if I'm not going to be an engineer, right? Like it's a, there's so many things that are taught in our school. I wish that it, they would include some of these softer skills that are really pivotal to how we engage and interact and show up for each other. Yeah. I mean, this, these, these are relationship skills. So we kind of joke that at groups, we're like, we're putting the the medicine and candy, but, you know, because it's a lot of the stuff you do as a psychologist that we're helping corp like bring to the office. And it's not, there's no like secret here. It's just, we're helping people develop good 
social relationship skills with people who had probably never come to therapy in their whole life, right? So there was a guy in um, one of the large organizations we were working with, and he was like, God, I saw this put on my calendar. I was like, what is this thing? You know, are we doing like therapy at work? What is this? He was became our biggest advocate. He's like, wow, I started talking about what we're talking about with my daughter. And I, you know, it's helping us have better communication. Wow. It's really about like communication and showing up for each other. Um, and it, there's simple things you can do. Like another thing is ask two questions before you make a statement. We offer each other tons of advice. But ask each other, you know, we use a what or a how question, ask to before you say anything. And if and if you're going to say anything, make a reflective statement, which means just say back what you think you heard. And it was just surprising how much deeper and how much more information you get by doing something that simple. I sometimes try to remind myself to ask the question or say, or say tell me more. Oh, yeah, that's like. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you say that you get an answer and it's like, uh, okay, well, I could interpret that 10 billion ways. Tell me more so I can interpret it the right way that you meant. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? It's like we're making assumptions about each other all over the place, but you can just ask the person, just ask, and it helps them feel more seen and you have more accurate information, which allows everybody to like move faster, perform better together. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Dr. Wagner, it was so great having you on the podcast today. I hope that those listening have been able to take away some really great tips and tricks to to help increase the collaboration and the communication and the relationships at their work and also in their personal lives, like your example that you just gave. Thank you so much. And, and, and everyone have a great afternoon, day, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.